What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We were going 65 to 70 miles an hour in an outhouse, and my backup starter passed away a few years ago. I now hold the land speed record in an outhouse. Everybody and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and more. I'm Randy Cardoon. Let's turn the Wayback Machine to October of 1955. Drag racing in the city of Long Beach, well, there was a problem. The problem of racing in the streets was brought to local officials. And they figured, well, let's find them a place to race so they don't race on our streets. They found land near a local railroad in Wilmington, which is now Rancho Dominguez. And with the help of local Lions clubs from San Pedro de Torrance and Long Beach, Lions Drag Strip was born. And it was the class of drag strips in the area and lasted until 1972, reportedly when the Los Angeles Board of Harbor Commissioners ordered the racing facility be closed, so a cargo-containing holding facility for the Greater Los Angeles Port District could be built. Um, here's an editorial comment. Boo! Boo, Los Angeles Board of Harbor Commissioners! Now back to our regularly scheduled program. The land now covered by warehouses from various businesses, and the one right where the Christmas tree was, well, it's owned by Price Transfer Trucking Company. And that is owned by Rick Lorenzen. Grew up in Wilmington, which Lions Drag Strip originally and still was in Wilmington. We used to do a lot of street racing back in those days before the drag strip. And uh, I was quite young then, and they opened the drag strip, and I couldn't stay away from it once they opened it up. I was there. They were open uh, originally just Sundays, and then they went Saturdays, and then they went to Wednesday night for any run what you brung. How old were you at the time, and can you kind of describe the excitement of having a drag strip right in your backyard? Yeah, and they'd wake you up. If you're in bed late, they'd wake you up in the morning. And, you know, I lived in Wilmington just a few miles away, and you could clearly hear them from there. Your parents must have hated that. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Eventually, the neighbors near the drag strip hated it, and that's one of the reasons they closed it because it became too noisy but uh, now we like the noise and I, I lost my hearing there you know that's why I wear hearing aids because it was too much you couldn't wear earplugs or put your you know we didn't realize the damage we're doing to our ears so <laughs> it uh, it was just a great place to be a lot of a lot of my buddies and I lost a couple girlfriends in the process because they didn't want to go to the drag race so they said oh that's a guy thing so I went anyway, and they went anyway, too. <laughs> that 
they went for somebody who wasn't into cars, and, and what does that say about them, right? <laughs> but no, it was just a great experience, uh, you know, living with cars and working on cars. And we raced a Model A there, didn't do very well with it, but most of the time I was a spectator, you know, admiring everybody else's car. So let's talk and get everybody into the era of what we're talking about here. We're talking early 60s? We're talking early 60s. Uh, yeah, 59, 60, 61 was a big year there. That's when uh, Stonewoods and Cook won uh, the A-Gas uh, supercharged. And we have that car here. And uh, that was the big time. And then as the years went on through 72, it was just became more and more popular. And it's one of the best drag strips around because the cool air in the harbor area provided better air for the cars to run on and it really did help. As far as drag racing in the area, I mean there were places all around up in San Fernando and there were some other places as well. Uh, was it that air thing? Is that what made this place stand out? Yeah, I think so. They used to race on the streets next to where we're at right now on Santa Fe Avenue, on, on Wilmington Avenue, Terminal Island. They were racing everywhere they could go. And back then, the cars were, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's not like today where kids are driving through cars on streets and, and getting into all sorts of accidents and stuff. It seemed to be a more innocent time. Am I right about that? It seemed, seemed that way, yeah. And most of the cars, the, the kids that drove them, built them themselves. You know, now you can go out and buy a muscle car, you know, and you don't have to do any work on it. So the key was a lot of people worked and ran their own cars, and that's, that's the difference then and now. And you worked? With my dad in his gas station. And gas was how much at that time? How much how was much gas? was it? I don't know, 30-some cents, I think. <laughs> he said 30 cents a gallon in case you didn't get that part. Go ahead. That, t that tells you where we're at right now. In the late 50s. And uh, he just, uh, I worked there. They sold the property my gas his gas station was on, so he had to start a new career at 61 and he bought one of his customers trucks the name was price and that's how price transfer developed from there and that's what makes all this possible fast forward a bunch of years and you out your building is has to come up with a location how did price end up on this very spot where lion's drag strip was years and years ago we uh we started down the street on Dominguez and Santa Fe, and then this parcel here became available. We've been in the building on Dominguez for 35 years. That was where we first started our, our big warehousing venture. And then uh, we this came along 15 years ago where we're at now, and that's when I got the idea that we could have a little museum here, you know, park some cars, show off some cars, because I was a Willys lover. I always loved Willys cars. We have about 35 of them now. And that's where it started, right here, where we're at, where we're sitting. This used to be a warehouse, and now it's an arcade in the showroom. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's such a big thing. But I'm always curious, Did when you came up with that idea, did everybody say, oh, it's a great idea there? Or did people kind of go, seriously, you really want to, did they get a little? Well, from my friends, I heard a great idea, but the rest of them weren't so it's it's not really a profitable thing to do you know so the accountants go what are you wasting money on that for <laughs> you know? 
many cars did you have at that time? I think I started then with about six. And, and then we started getting into it. And we build cars here as well, build, paint, uh, body work, build them from scratch. Let me go back. What was your first car? My first car is a uh, 41 Willys Coupe that I bought. It's here. It hasn't been fixed up. I worked on it until I went in the Army in 63. And it's still sitting here, and it cost me $65 when I bought it in 1960. And that was, then I came back, and my dad said, you got to help me on the truck. So I said, okay, Dad, so I had to go to work. So, and so it sat for, and still sitting. But a few other cars that I bought back then, we fixed up here now that we had the ability to build cars. It was always a place that you could to do that and have the right people to do it. Right, at your location. You said six cars when you started this idea. What six were they, do you remember? Uh, there was two Willys Coupes, a uh, 40 and a 41. There was two Willys pickup trucks. Uh, I think there was a 38 and a 40. And then there, well, actually, there was three coupes. I think that's five. Yeah, there's about five that we had, yeah. All willies. Yeah, all willies. That's what I started doing, and that's what I wanted to do originally is just willies. And then it developed into more than that as we built out the showroom and expanded. By racing at Lions over the years, you got to know a lot of the dragster yeah. drivers yeah. and a lot of the guys. Was anybody there really a key as far as helping you realize your dream of getting this place put together? The Stonewoods and Cook car was my favorite car and that's what really got me going on Willys. That's a, that's a that's a, actually a 42 Willys and Doug Cook and and uh, since then it's you know been his uh, his one of his actually one of his sons actually worked for me for a while but uh, that's kind of where the Stonewoods and Cook and then meeting all the, the people there, that's... I mean, how great was that? I mean, you, you over the years, you'd sit... I didn't know how great it was until now, and I realized how great it was, you know. Until then, it was just, you know, something to do and go out and have fun. I didn't realize till really now how great a time that was and that era in Southern California and the car culture and, and people and, you know... It just wasn't as messed up as it is now. <laughs> well, a lot of people, too, don't realize back, the South Bay really was one of the yeah, center spots of car culture here in Southern California. That's right. It's Southern California car culture was uh, South Bay, specifically Lions Drag Strip. They had Marine Stadium. They raced boats. Uh, Long Beach Grand Prix didn't come along till 75. But uh, it had various Ascot and various you know, racing venues in this area, and that's kind of what we stuck to. Let's describe a little about some of what you have here. I mean, for people who come through here, obviously you have incredible cars on display. Uh, and uh, we are currently located, I guess this is in your diner area, right by, what, what do you call this area here? Well, this is kind of the, uh, the arcade and uh, theater area. We have a hobby shop and a music uh, store and a barber shop. We've kind of made it like it would have been back then, right. you know. 
and uh, with the theater, that theater still exists in Wilmington where I grew up. So this is basically an exact replica, if you will, of that. Not exact. It looks a little better here than it did there. But yeah, the names, the the whole idea, and a lot of my buddies that I grew up with still come here. You know, we still have our wiener schnitzel parties here. Yeah, you're back to the future bell tower. I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, looks like one of those Hollywood uh, memorabilia store fronts out there. You have your own price transfer frontage. You have uh, Helms Bakery trucks, which yeah. is really cool. Now, how, what's the story behind that? Well, we met a fella that, that uh, over in Redondo Beach, who has since passed, but he uh, built these trucks himself, and they were just, that's the era, that's the Southern California. Helms trucks, Ador Farms, milk truck. Capuzzi Dairy. Farms, or, yeah, a milk truck, and we're building a, uh, a, uh, an ice cream truck. Yeah. Well, for those who don't remember, and I, I, I remember experiencing this because I grew up in Los Angeles, is you would actually be sitting on your lawn as a kid, yeah. and all of a sudden this vehicle, uh, either uh, a panel, I don't want to call it a panel van, but it's a its a delivery van, a Chevy, mid-early 60s, or, uh, gosh, how do, you com how do you describe a Helms truck to people that hasn't well, seen it? it? It had a distinct sound, a whistle that blew as it's coming down the street, and they had big drawers that pulled out, and they... Distinct smell as well. Yeah, had distinct <laughs> smell. They sold bread. I think even some had eggs, but a lot of my favorite, cream puffs, donuts. Donuts. Yeah. donuts and then, oh. yeah, it had a... Yeah, it just had a distinct smell and look, and I think they closed in 69. And what's really amazing is when you walk into one of the rooms here is you have recreated Lion's Drag Strip to the point if you walked in there, you're basically there. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's what we're hearing today. People that were there are just blown away by this. That It's so, you know, original looking. It's not as big, obviously, and you don't race cars in there, but... It's just the looks of it. How were you able to duplicate what you did with the pictures? And obviously you brought cars for a little three-dimensional kind of scenario, but a lot of that stuff is, is painted so well, it's like, you know, with the exception, you're walking into a room that could be very well back in time, Lions Dragster. Yeah, uh, we had Kenny Youngblood, who was grew up in those days as well, and who was a automotive, uh, you know, painter, designer, muralist, had him in here and we got an idea. He did a rendering of what we wanted it to look like. And uh, we started building it. And uh, along with Yvonne Marcellus uh, and some other folks that came in and worked with him and helped him, uh, construction people, it just all kind of fell together. And we came up with ideas as we went. So, so it was, Pretty nice, yeah. Are these all your cars? Yeah, these all the cars inside here, yes. And a couple out there. Of these cars, uh, were you aiming for just a look, or were there car, certain cars you felt really fit in with the motif? Yes, and that's, you see a lot of them up there. And uh, if we had the space, we would, like we did the clock tower for the Back to the Future car. We wanted to tell a little story rather than just park a car. So when we had the space to do that, we did that. We have a depot hack over there, so we built 
kind of what we thought of as the Long Be as Los Angeles uh, train depot. We bought that. And then the Helms Bakery, we built a Helms Bakery over there by the trucks. We built a replica of our first warehouse we had in Wilmington. And that's another area. And it just kind of went with the feeling of the trucks and the cars, yeah. yeah. I think you've nailed it on so many different things as far as bringing that feeling up. Yeah. Uh, as you, is there something else that, as things happen, you would want to expand on or maybe do more with, or is this pretty much the idea you want to do a display for Long Beach, Long Beach Marine Stadium, the drag boats, because a lot of drag racers race drag boats. We have the Grand the Long Beach Grand Prix section there. We, we're going to have Long Beach Marine Stadium and. When we expand out more, we still got a little more room. We'll add some other features of, you know, representing Southern California. And it's, it's this, I'm still living in that, you know, I can't let it go. Say you could take a room and recreate San Fernando or you could create Ascot or yeah. like Ascot's that. Ascot's coming, yeah. So it's, uh, it's just fun because luckily I can afford it, yeah. you know. I could say what's in your garage now, but I'm looking at all the cars in your garage. Is there a car over the years that you wish you hung on to that you didn't and would like to get back some way? Or is there a car that you've already gotten back? My, I had a 67 Olds 442 W30 that I lost when I got divorced. I let her have the car for some reason. I don't know why. So it took me a while to find another one, but I have replicated that, and I have one of those in here. Uh, my 55 Nomad, I sold when I was a kid, and I've replicated that. So I've kind of tried to bring back everything I had and things that I wanted. You know, cars that were desirable, plus, you know, they're mostly all American cars. You know, we don't have a lot of foreign cars in here except for... Uh, the, the Nash Metropolitan, which That's still Lois, in Lois Lane drove in Superman. Well, and then DeLorean, we had the Back to the Future car. That's a DeLorean that was built in Ireland. So, Give me the top two or three cars that's left on the Rick Lorenzo and I want that car list. Uh, everybody has one. I like a Cobra, a Pantera, a General Lee. Charger. Yeah. And, uh, God, what else? Oh, something will pop up. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting a, a, a Caribbean, a, a Packard Caribbean in. That was on the list. And we have a, a 56 Continental Mark II that we're restoring right now. So we're getting there, but there's always something going to pop up, yeah. You are the ultimate car guy as far as you know recreating things you're just a guy who's having more fun than most of us did at playing with matchbox cars as a kid yeah yeah no i it's fun it's i'm lucky to be able to do it and i i feel that way and i want to share it with people because this was the 50s 60s 70s was the best time i think price automotives rick lorenzen Larry Sutton spent a lot of time at Lions, served many roles, and was one of the few who could say he rode down the drag strip in an outhouse. And he wasn't alone when that happened. How does he remember this stuff? Simply, he has quite the memory. 
I can remember so many of the racers, and, and I guarantee you, probably one out of a thousand this weekend has said the same thing, and I remember every one of them. Really? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've had more people say, how can you have such a memory? I can tell you what they did, when they did it, and who they are. Well, okay, let me ask, and that way everybody else doesn't have to. How do you remember? I mean, do you have a steel trap for a memory? I've got a great memory about everything, and I'm I'm anal when it comes to remembering things, and uh, and it's not just drag racing; it's everything in general uh, that I have a great memory. And at 76 years old, I don't have a mental problem. Good news. So you just give me an example of stuff outside of drag racing that you remember. I mean, what? Wife says go get food at the uh, grocery store. You remember shopping lists or or that kind of what you watched on TV last Thursday? Well, I was in landing gear for 47 years and as procurement and quality, and there were so many issues. I would remember exactly what was wrong or caused a failure and look for all those items, and I could diagnose what happened at the time. That's incredible memory. Uh, I, I feel I've got a perfect memory. So do you technically have then a, um, a photographic memory? Is that accurate? I wouldn't say photographic. My boss had a photographic. He could quote you conversations downstream that he wasn't there. I mean, he was there two years earlier. He could quote you word for word, my former boss. So you had to be on your toes anyway. Oh, absolutely. Not only in landing gear, but in racing. A lot of people's lives depend on what you're doing. I didn't go up there and just push a button. I I was a racer also, because I drove every class in drag racing except pro stock, every class. And you have to go up there, those people are my friends. And I gotta watch everything on it. And today, all they do is push a button. Take me back to when you first started at Lions. How did you get a job at Lions? How did your career there start? I started working at Lions when I was 13 years old. I started handing out time slips. My best friend's father was a business manager. He took me out to the track. I went there and saw how exciting it was at Lions, and I never missed another day until it closed. That's a great story. Well, I worked there in all the positions between either announcing, teching the cars, starting the cars, and racing the cars at the same weekend. I would both start and drive at the same weekend. I drove my first blown dragster when I was 16 years old. Okay, so I love to get the announcing. How did you get the announcing job? Because our occasional co-host, Bob Beck, you know Bob Beck probably from Irwindale, and he's been here several times. Uh, he does a lot of announcing at drag race events. How did you get your first drag racing announcing job there? Well, I was more of a fill-in. When they wanted to take a break, I would fill in for that when I wasn't starting and my backup starter would do the starting. Then I'd go back to the starting line. So I basically was a fill-in announcer, but I knew the cars and knew the people. And at times I knew a lot of stories about the people, so I'd tell those stories. You had they had a little uh, discussion here today talking about some of the greater stories that people had about Lion Strike Strip. You had a couple of really humdingers. I mean, you had some great ones, including the one about the last race that you had here, something involving an outhouse and that kind of stuff. 
Well, that that is actually in print. A lot of people don't know about it, but yes, the the qualifiers car club. After everybody was done, they had had a few too many to drink, and they towed an outhouse up on the starting line and asked me if I wanted to ride. I thought they were going about 20 feet, so I said okay, and I invited my my uh, backup starter with me, and thank God I did. Cause and you went in the outhouse. I went in the outhouse, and there were so many people at the last drag race, it was full. Okay. So, <laughs> so down the track we went, instead of 20 feet, we ended up going farther and farther and farther. The next thing I know, we're going 65 to 70 miles an hour and approaching the finish line. And I told Bill, I said, if they hit the brakes on this station wagon, it's going to run into the back of the station wagon. We're going to drown in this stuff. So, so I held his belt. And he went down with a switchblade and cut the rope. This thing spun around. It, we were in the right lane. It spun around, went across the left lane, hit the left guardrail, and come to a slamming stop, and not one drop came out of the outhouse. I opened the door and looked across the track, and we walked back to the starting line, and not a problem. But we were going 65 to 70 miles an hour in an outhouse, and my backup starter passed away a few years ago. I now hold the land speed record in an outhouse. <laughs> and that sounds like a bucket list moment. I don't know, maybe it's. Well, it's it's not the most shining example of what I've driven. I have driven some real outhouses, and uh, but that was an actual outhouse. Last thought, and that's just when you look back at Lions and the fact that Rick Lorenzen was able to put this together, and and when you first heard he was going to do this, and now that you've seen it, explain the two two uh, reactions you have. Okay, I was here before he finished the actual Lions portion, and I heard what he was going to do, and Kenny Youngblood would call me about every three weeks, and he was doing the painting. What color was this, and why is this this way? And I would tell him, like I say, the memory. And I would tell him exactly, even down to the ropes. The ropes went across to open the doors, down here, into that hinge, and across. I knew exactly every bit of it. But when I saw it, unbelievable. Rick Lorenzen is an absolute blessing to drag racing, and this museum is like nothing else you will ever see. Larry Sutton, the former starter at Lions Drag Strip. Now, just to say what's in the museum, the museum has several different kinds of displays. There is a replica Willys dealership. That's right, a Willys dealership from the early 40s that they put together, including many Willys automobiles from Rick Lorenzen's stash of cars. Also, there's a diorama, if you will, of a local square with a movie theater that looks like a real movie theater from the outside. All sorts of cars. It looks like the outsides of barbershops, a Helms Bakery location, even one of those Hollywood places you go to get all sorts of souvenirs to take home when you're here on a trip. And of course, the big room, that's the Lions Drag Strip room where they recreated Lions Drag Strip right down to the bridge that hosted all the media at the top. They have paintings of fans in the stands and cars at the time, like an ambulance, a Cadillac ambulance. And of course, the real cars are located right at the starting line. 
It's a lot to see and something you're not going to want to miss. Sid Waterman was an NHRA announcer back in the day. He also managed many race cars that ran at Lions. I caught up with him outside the museum building soon after the Hemi under glass that we talked about a couple of shows ago. Did a wheelie exhibition for everybody. He admitted the concept for Lions was much needed at the time because what was happening with the street racing scene? Well, it basically all starts with street drags. And, you know, we drug and you know, had drag races on the street. Well, that became to where it obviously became very illegal and very dangerous. So, you know, NHRA was formed, and uh, uh, even before NHRA, there were several racetracks, including C.J. Hart, Pappy Hart, uh, at Lions Drag Strip. I was fortunate enough to be there in 1961, uh, and I towed my car from... Fremont, California, all the way down here to L.A., and uh, I had worked the night before at a cannery, and, the, and the, during the day, uh, I drove tanks, and so now, I've never driven the race car. I, out driving wasn't my bag. Engine building was my bag. So what vehicles did you usually bring down? Uh, what cars? I, I had three top fuel cars. Uh, the first one was called Clear Spark Special, and that came out of uh, Northern California. Then we have the car now that you, that you see the water in Hampshire top fuel car and uh, after that we built one more car uh, won the fi division seven finals and uh, then I retired from racing because I found myself racing my customers and that wasn't good no probably not not good for the business not good for the business absolutely not so and it worked out fine uh, you know I mean I ended up I had over 32 top fuel cars that I maintained at one time and uh, here I had a shop in uh, Gardena first, and then Santa Ana. I had an 8,500 square foot building, and then I got out of the engine building and went into fuel systems because there was a definite need for bigger fuel pumps, and nobody was doing anything about it. We like to romanticize car fans, drag race fans, about you know San Fernando was this way, Ascot was this way, and so many other race tracks in this area for, for the various sorts of driving. But Lions, am I wrong in thinking that Lions had a little more romance to it than I think a lot of them? No, you're not lying at all. That's an absolute fact. There was something about the magic of Lions Drag Strip. C.J. Hart was one of the managers. Mickey Thompson, who was my former boss, was one of the managers. Uh, Steve Evans was a manager. And we went through the whole series, and it was a very sad to see that place shut down. And then for almost five years, it sat there untouched. It, it was disheartening to see it just sitting there doing nothing. And uh, But they've built some special tracks. They built Orange County. I was there at the first race at Orange County. I was at the first race at Sandy, San Gabriel. I was at the first race at Ramona Raceway. Uh, I've been in pretty much every track at first. Now I'm involved very heavily with NASCAR and uh, with IndyCar and we build the fuel pumps and the fuel cells for those. Lions has really spawned a lot of careers, though, that we've heard big names over the past. Absolutely. Manufacturing as well as racers themselves. Many of the racers went on to bigger and better things, uh, like Danny Ongaius. Danny is a good friend of mine. He ended up driving Indy cars. Uh, there's so many of them that have gone on to bigger and better things. Most of them wound up getting into business like myself and, and did you know reasonably well for themselves. I know I, I sold the company one year ago to Aeromotive out of Kansas City, and uh, now I'm in a retirement state at 81 years old. I've been married 52 years to the same woman, and uh, anybody like her that would put up with all my stuff for 52 years got to be a brave soul. Congratulations. That actually is a bigger accomplishment, I think. It certainly is. I appreciate the interview. 
So real quick, Rick Lorenzen came up with this idea to do what he's done here. I'd love to know your first idea when you heard about it, and now that you've seen it, what do you think? This far exceeds anything I could have imagined happening. Rick has done such a fantastic job, and along with Kenny Youngblood and so many others that put their heart and soul into what we see in there. And if you've never been to this, you need to come here and look at the Lions Drag Strip uh, uh, Museum. It is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, the original bridges there, original parts of the tower are there. Uh, it's just phenomenal. It is amazing when you take a look at just, just how they put it together. And, it, and it's got to be fun for you because the community has really, and I'm talking the auto racing community, seems to have really kind of gotten involved in this. I was totally blown away by how many people showed up today. Uh, I mean, I've seen as many people here as I've seen at a drag race sometimes. So this was quite a special event, a great turnout of old cars, and some of them are the original cars, some are reproduction of the same car that you had. Uh, many of us sold our cars and then all of a sudden wished we had them back, and so we had to create uh, reproductions of them. But the reproductions are by scale, inch to inch, so it's pretty special. And even the push cars, I mean, we're looking at some of the vehicles, that's where we're standing right now, outside. I mean, even some of the trucks that you see, vintage trucks, cars, uh, sedan deliveries, I mean, just, it looks like suddenly we've been zipped in a time machine back to the 60s. And that's very, very true. I wish I had my original push car. My original push car was a 56 Nomad station wagon. I'd love to have that car back. <laughs> You just answered two questions in my usual interview. Uh, yeah, 56, uh, the car that you wish you could get. But you know, you could always get one. Did you ever think about that? Yeah, well, I'd have to make it so I'd have to probably cash out all the money I made on my company when I sold it to buy one. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. A good car like that nowadays will bring $25,000, dollars $40,000, you know, and I think I sold it for five hundred. So as long as I've got you on that subject, your first car was what? My first car that I ever drove yeah. was an Austin A4, A80. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little sedan. I mean, you said on the gas and it went backwards. <laughs> it had, I think it had 40 horsepower, and, and that one, the one I had probably was missing 10. <laughs> and the cars you have in your garage right now? I drive right now. Uh, I have a 1999 Mercedes CLK V8. Beautiful car, pretty one of the best looking cars ever made. My wife has a uh, 2004 SLK V6, and then we have a Mini for grocery shopping. Everybody's got a list. The car that I wish I can have one of these days. What are the top two cars on that list for you? Oh my God. Um, I'm so happy with what I have. People keep saying to me, uh, when are you going to trade that in for a new car? It's 20 years old. I just, when somebody passes me on Highway 1 that I don't want to. Sid Waterman. The Lions Drag Strip Museum is open to the public by reservation only. Check it out. It's Wednesday afternoons between 1 and 3, and that's pretty narrow. But keep track of the museum for special events. Go to thelionsdragstrip.com to check out the website. Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to all of our podcasts here on radio.com, knx1070.com, 
And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us, rate us five stars, and please write a review. If you want to sponsor an episode of Talking About Cars, you can reach us at talkingaboutcars at gmail.com. Be part of the Talking About Cars family. Our website is talkingaboutcars.net, where I include some extra behind-the-scenes flavor to the interviews. And don't forget, follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to join my pal Bob Beck and I on his show, Great American Auto Scene. That's G-A-A-S. And you can follow it not only on Facebook, but also at gotgas.com, the second Tuesday of the month. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some more fun talking about cars.